Hey y'all, I'm Casey Bell of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to the Instant Relevance Podcast. The Instant Relevance Podcast is an educational podcast featuring the latest news and resources to make learning relevant for all students. Follow us on Twitter at InstantRel. I'm Dennis Sheeran, author of Instant Relevance, using today's experiences to teach tomorrow's lessons, and Hacking Mathematics, 10 Problems That Need Solving. I'm a math teacher for 13 years and an administrator for six, and I am excited to be podcasting. I am Raymond Steinmetz, co-host of the Instant Relevance podcast. I'm a K-8 math instructional coach from Rhode Island. I write and blog about a variety of topics related to education and parenting. You can find my work at www.blendedlearningmath.com or you can follow me on Twitter at blended underscore math. Welcome to episode six of the Instant Relevance podcast, and thank you for joining us again. And I have a special treat for you today. Today's hosts, me and Ray, will be today's guests. So welcome, Ray and me, to the Instant Relevance podcast. And we'd like to share a couple of things that we've been thinking and talking about and seeing all around us. And Ray uh, has found an article that he shared with me earlier today that I find fascinating and i'd like to give him a chance to introduce this to you before we get uh talking about how the world of relevance is growing and necessary yeah thanks Dennis. um i found a really really great article uh from an organization called tntp i believe tntp stands for the new teacher project and uh full disclosure i did go through a teacher entry program from tntp called chicago teaching fellows about a decade ago. So I, if you want to thank anybody for the amazing educator that I've been, become, you can thank TNTP. Uh, that's not a shameless plug because I know basically nothing about the organization outside of the program that I went through <laughs> about 10 years ago. But anyways, TNTP went uh, out into the world of education and did some research. And they came up with a study called The Opportunity Myth. Now, the idea here is that we as educators and as the general public, we stand by this myth. We are giving students opportunities and it is the students that fail because they are the ones not taking those opportunities that are being offered. Now, TNTP, through their research, has kind of flipped the script on that and said, you know what? It's not the students that are failing school. It's us, the educators, that are failing our students. And really what they did is they went out into the field and basically they just asked students. Um, and they did a lot of uh, high-quality research behind that of doing pretty intensive interviews, also finding creative ways to measure engagement. And they went out into the world of education and they really asked themselves, you know what? Why is it that even though students seem 
to be engaged in the work that teachers are giving them to do? Why are students not prepared for the real world after high school and or college? So before I uh, kind of get into the, the depths of this, I want to throw it back to you, Dennis. Dennis, just kind of with that opening statement, kind of uh, that summary or that abstract, if I were to say that to you before looking at this, let me ask you this. Would you be surprised in knowing that with your history and your experience in education? You know, uh, I'd like to say that I would be surprised, but it's exactly that truth and that situation and that revelation that sparked my interest in writing Instant Relevance in the first place. It was when I went around, I left the classroom uh, in 2012 to become a supervisor of a math department when I moved back to New Jersey. And it was when I started visiting classrooms and seeing groups of kids disengaged again and again and again, and looking and saying, like, I don't really know what's going on here. I'm just going to do all the work. I'm just going to finish class. And that's what made me look around and say, ah, this has to change. These kids have to have something that is better for them, connected for them, ma that matters to them so that when they leave here, they won't have to just try to figure out, you know, what did I learn in high school that I can use this time? But they'll have a, a culture of understanding the idea behind learning and why it's important to them. So no, I long story medium. Uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that kids are overly disengaged in today's classrooms. One interesting thing I saw about this report was students are doing what they're being told uh, most of the time. So the statistic that they hear, have here kind of at the beginning of the report is students are working on activities related to class 88% of the time. So you know, that's not 100%, which you would like to have in, in every single classroom, but 88% is pretty high. So, you know, the typical kind of uh, Hollywood view into a high school of like, you know, kids just completely scattered around the room and flipping coins in the, cl uh, in the corner, or like, you know, <laughs> drugs being sold in the bathroom and, you know, someone smoking a cigarette out the window. You know, it's not dangerous minds out there. Like the majority of schools you go into... Like students are engaged in doing what they're told. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of work going on no matter where uh, you go. So the problem is, is that, you know, they're doing what they're told. The question is, is, is it relevant? Is it something that they're doing that is not only engaging, but getting them towards standards mastery? Because it says here, even though uh, students are working on the uh, class activities 88% of the time, only 17% of those are on benchmark to be at standards grade level mastery. So, I mean, that's a pretty big difference between, okay, 88% of the kids are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, but only 17% of them are reaching mastery. What about our instruction can bridge that gap? So what do you think, Dennis? What do you think uh, about that? Well, no, that's funny too because you're right. Like 88% of them are doing what they're told. Um, but who's telling them what to do, right? So we're telling them what to do. And I remember having a kid who comes up with his TI-84 graphing calculator and says to me, it's broken. It's not working. Well, like, well, it's not not working. It's just not doing what you want it to because you're not telling it to do what you want it to do, right? And uh, like you need to figure out how to get it to do your job better. 
So he, in that case, is kind of the metaphor for the teacher who's looking at kids saying they're broken. They're not doing what they're supposed to do or they're not, they're not achieving like they're supposed to achieve. But it's our input methods, if you will, that, that have, have messed it up. It's even the fact that they might be doing what they're supposed to do. But another stat in this report shows that of the 180 meetings we have with students in a year, uh, only 47 of them are typically on assignments that are at grade level or a grade level appropriate. So there's a problem if 133 out of 180 classes teachers believe are grade level appropriate but are not. So there's a disconnect between understanding what's appropriate. And the study goes on to show how much students can improve and gain when simply put in front of grade level appropriate and engaging content. And so, yeah, you're right. They may be doing what they're doing, but... Ask a teacher who's got a faculty meeting after school on a Tuesday when they don't want to be there. Are they just going to get through it, go through the motions and get it over with so they can go to what they want to do? Or are they going to engage fully if they're not drawn into engaging? And there's a lot of metaphors here and crossover points that we should be considering uh, the way that our, our staff works with us and the way our students work with our teachers. But that's what I like about this study. And I think we're going to make sure that we share this with you here um, from the new teacher project. And we really do need to rethink how we're teaching and what we're teaching because our students are just telling us it's not working. When we ask them, no, we don't, we're not interested. And for us to say, oh, you're not interested in this? Well, too bad. I spent an awful lot of time preparing it so you'd be interested in it. And I guess you are the problem. We have to open our eyes and say, okay, they're not interested. We have to open those doors. Uh, we have to find what connects with them. We have to find what matters to them. We have to find what they're passionate about or what's just generally relevant to them. And those are the subtitles and topics inside Instant Relevance and the examples I've shared. And as I've traveled and spoken, it's what I see a lot of teachers telling me, like, I want to be able to do this. And you're telling me that I can. Like, yeah, why, why wouldn't you? Well, I, no one ever told me I was allowed to try this before. So there might be another underlying process in here that says, you know, what's going on in school culture? Uh, the teachers are just complying and doing what they're told to do. Uh, and that's leading to student compliance instead of true multi-level engagement. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot to look at deeper in this. Um, and I'd love to hear what our audience has to say. Uh, and they'd share with us some ideas if they read through this too. One thing that really stands out in what you just said was kind of the staff engagement piece as well, because, you know, there's some recommendations coming out of this report and it is that, you know, the best classrooms have these four things, or these are the four things that are maybe lacking in lessons that would improve, um, standards mastery or kind of, kind of solve this. So the four things are the first grade low, grade appropriate assignments. The second is uh, strong instruction. The third is deep engagement. And the fourth is teachers with high expectations. Now, if you ask just about any teacher, if they give grade appropriate assignments, strong instruction, deep engagement, and they have high expectations, they're definitely going to say yes. So the question is, how do we also bridge that gap in teachers understanding of what it means to reach students because it seems like with everything that is given to teachers to prepare them for their students those resources aren't relevant either those resources aren't great appropriate um, they aren't providing strong instructions deep engagement or providing high expectations for students 
And, you know, it seems like teachers have been kind of been sold this bill of goods, you know, we're, we're told to differentiate, we're tell, told to take the curriculum, and for those learners, scaffold it down. And we're told to meet the students where they're at, which is the way that you teach <laughs> struggling students. But then again, you know, you turn around and um, we can see that you know, the study shows that when given great appropriate material and, you know, given high expectations and strong instruction, that students rise to the opportunity. So it's kind of this conflict of what teachers have been told, or at least it's, it's kind of confusing for a teacher to know that the class has to be challenged and that there's all these students that need to be challenged. And almost every room that you walk into in any school is going to have a diverse set of learners, you know, regardless of race, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, income, you're still going to have uh, classes that, you know, really do span the gamut as far as ability, especially when you walk into like a non-differentiated or tracked class, kind of in elementary school or in early middle school. The question is, is, you know, how are teachers supposed to know the best way to reach all students when one, the students' needs are so different, and then two, you know, you turn around and, and this report says you're not providing hard enough instruction and it's not challenging enough when you're seeing the students struggle with the material that you're already providing. So it's, uh, it's really confusing, I think, in some ways. So what do you think about that, Dennis? Uh, did you kind of follow that? What, what are your thoughts on that thought? Yeah, I followed you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I got kind of um, lost so, there, you know. You no, know, we always cycle back around. It's what we do here on the Instant Relevance Podcast. Yeah. But uh, so here's the thing. I think a lot of people in all levels, uh, administration, state leadership, teachers in the classroom, um, need to have like a, a come to Jesus moment with their teaching. They need to, to redefine that relationship because the job isn't the job it used to be. Like we used to be able to talk and say things to kids and expect them to remember it. And, and that was good. That was the job. But that, that's not the job. The job requires a different work set now and a different skill set and a different uh, amount of time and effort. And the teachers who are struggling with this are the ones who don't recognize that the job is different and they're not willing to learn about changing that job. So they think they're holding their students to high expectations, but what they're holding them to is high expectations for compliance, not high expectations for learning, because that teacher will happily give a student a D on a test and move to the next chapter, which is not a high expectation for learning. That's a high expectation for timing and pacing and getting through what I need you to do in my timeline. And they think they have strong instruction because they're using something that worked in the past, but they've got a kid in front of them that it's not working for. It's not strong instruction if it's not strongly instructing. And they think they have deep engagement, but they have kids sitting and falling asleep saying, well, you're just not engaging with this great idea. Well, you know what? It's engagement is not a front end user skill. It's, it's, it's the, it's the person who's engaging with it is the one who needs to know whether it's engaging or not. And, I've done this before. I've put a problem in front of, of teachers and said, let's try this out. What do you think? Like, Whoa, this is really, this is way too hard for my kids. Like that's standards level for your grade level. You're telling me it's way too hard. So you, you're definitely not giving kids this type of complexity and struggle. And let's get down to the heart of it. How did this study find this information out, Ray? They asked kids. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. They asked kids. Now, how often do we ask kids? That's at the heart of it. We talk about relationship building. And I'll be honest with you, uh, just today, I had a conversation with some sixth graders. And I asked them, uh, what do you wish grown-ups knew about you? What do you wish they understood about you? Just trying to get a feel for who our kids are. And I'm thinking about uh, moving forward with some ideas as well. And so I just said, just tell me what you wish somebody knew about you. And some of the kids said, this, this one young girl said, well, I hate jewelry dresses and wearing my hair down. Adults don't know that about her. Another kid said, stop telling me that I'm too big or too fat. Uh, things to adults are saying that, you know, or um, I'm not as dumb as you treat me, or can you just let me learn by myself without immediately pushing me more? Uh, stop being so negative. Uh, here's one that's kind of cute. One girl goes, uh, I don't go to bat and softball because I'm scared of being hit by the ball. And another girl turns her and goes, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. I wear so many pads. Like <laughs> th this is, what our kids are saying when I say, what do you wish a grown-up knew about you? Another kid said, can you just let me read until 2 o'clock in the morning? I would love to. I'm tired of homework. Or I'm, I'm an awesome kid. I don't think you know that about me. They're willing to share who they are at a moment's notice. And I say that because they don't know these kids. Just ask them the question. And they're willing to share with you about their learning. And if they're willing to tell this group and us I'm not learning as much as I could be, but I want to. I'm not as engaged as I could be, but I want to be. I'm noticing that I can get by by just doing what they say, and then the world's going to tell me that I'm good at this. But then we, the adults, turn around and say, like, well, we thought you were good at it, but I guess you weren't because you didn't get the opportunity that you thought you'd have. Um, I think the, one of the keys here that this study is modeling by finding the way it's information is building those relationships in multiple levels. And that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm on the website, I'm on the TNPT website and um, CNTP, sorry. They, uh, right, their tagline is to reimagine teaching. Um, I think they're going to need to reimagine teaching, reimagine school, reimagine school schedules, reimagine learning and assessment. And, uh, take it from a different place and if uh, we need teachers who are ready to take that from a very different place which is why I'm glad that the new teacher project is in teacher development sending new teachers out and in fact a former student of mine where I taught in Lake Forest uh, she it, uh, for a couple of years was an analyst for TNTP and uh, was traveling around working with schools and uh, that's they're out there trying to make a change on the ground level and I am passionate about that uh, where new teachers come from. So uh, I think if I could say it one succinct way, we have to get to know who our kids are as students and as individuals. And we have to be willing to work harder than we've ever worked before to keep knowing who they are so that we can connect with them and get them engaged so that they'll, we already know from what the study says that they're gonna, most of them are gonna do the work. So if they're already gonna do the work for us, it's up to us to present them with something of more value. And uh, I think that, that that's where we need to be. So um, getting to know kids and just listening to them. Maybe we need to build a period into our schedule where it's just listening time. You know, tell a teacher what you think. <laughs> you just, I don't care if it's about school or about life or whatever, but tell somebody what you think. Um, and we need to be prepared for that. Yeah, that would be interesting uh, <laughs> to uh, moderate that discussion of uh, just tell me what you think. Um, 
I think uh, sometimes it's hard to hear what other people think. And uh, I think that every time I've asked for feedback in my classroom and I started doing it actually more often, used to just give it maybe at the end of the year. Now I give it several times a year. And uh, I always, you know, am very humbled by uh, what the students have to say. They really don't hold back. I shouldn't give it so anonymously, but it works. And uh, But it, it it's hard to take. And I think that that... Um, and Dennis, you said this uh, in uh, what you just said. You know, it's kind of what you have to tell yourself. It's called the opportunity myth. It, it's what you have to tell yourself so that you think that the way that you've been teaching uh, for your entire career um, is relevant and uh, that kids do care about what you have to say and that your curriculum does matter. Um, it's kind of, uh, and I'm not saying that curriculum does not matter. I'm saying that, you know, these are the things that we're telling ourselves because you know, otherwise we, you know, would, would try to do something about it. I find that so much of what teachers are kind of tasked to do is this uh, idea of getting through the material. We never really step back and ask ourselves, first of all, you know, how relevant is that material? And are we giving kids deep learning opportunities or are we just having them cover a certain amount of material? I had the opportunity to talk to a principal recently who said, you know, if you're talking about topic coverage in your class, um, that's the first sign that kids aren't learning. And uh, I thought that was a pretty bold statement. And uh, it's made me really think a lot about um, just the state of curriculum and really what students are learning in school um, and what is important, and uh, which drives kind of to the home of this report. How important is the specifics of the curricula or is it more important to create people who can problem solve and get out there in the world and, you know, think at a high level and, and be deeply engaged in a problem and be able to solve it? It seems like to me, uh, the current state of education is we are covering curricula pretty well because uh, that's what every teacher does and that's what I see happening every day. But the question is, is are we taking that extra step? to make it uh, deeper learning and, and deep engagement. That's really what should be at the kind of core of our curriculum. Uh, not necessarily, you know, you have to cover A, B, C, and D. Right. And to the teachers who listen to this, who are, uh, might be struggling with some of this idea too. Let's be, let's be honest about it. Like you don't have to make everything flashy passionate and 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 connected to an exact real world real real world experience i think i say that enough um to make it relevant and to make it appropriate like you if if you're having a learning experience around graphing quadratics but your kids are are questioning like i wonder why that's happening i wonder why this is going on and, and you just let it go because you want to move on you're missing out on an opportunity for them to dive deeper that's where our curriculum becomes the vehicle for the deep engagement. We think too much that our that engagement is going to succeed in develop in uh, in delivering the curriculum, but the curriculum itself and the material itself should should be the vehicle for the ultimate goal, which is sending out that whole student with who is a an adult problem solver, uh, independent, lifelong learner, the things that we always say we want, but instead where we've created this, like I said, this lifelong compliers, lifelong doers. So 
once we view our our material and our curriculum as a tool for that when we see the opportunity because a kid has a question about something and is actually interested in learning deeper about this because he's just curious go for it drive deeper let that guide actual deep engaged learning instead of thinking that because we've covered a lot of things we've created holistic engaged deep learning so um that's the thing too you do not have to be uh, an expert in current trends and fads and ideas to be able to make learning relevant. Those are exciting and great ways to connect with kids to, to continue to develop it. But what you have to be an expert at is recognizing a moment you can use to follow to create deeper engagement. Because I've had kids absolutely love learning abstract things to their core, especially in statistics class. And I love teaching statistics because they just didn't get why a situation wasn't presenting information like they expected. And they just kept deep digging and digging and learning. I'm like, I don't know how to analyze this. I'm like, I'll show you how to analyze that. Like That's where kids go farther and farther and farther. And it had nothing to do with anything that they were particularly interested in. They were just interested in figuring something out. So let's create those situations too. Uh, that's where our students will recognize, I'm excited to go there because I'm going to challenge myself. I'm not just going to do something. And then when they leave and they have expectations, those expectations can be met. Um, they can leave thinking, I'm going to go for the career that I want. I'm going to go for the college that I want. And I have the ability to, to understand how to get there and how to make that work. I do want to uh, you know, admit that we've kind of talked a lot about problems you know there's a lot of problems kind of brought up by this report and uh to be honest you know i i was taking a look at the recommendations and kind of going to the conclusion of the report and uh it's a, a pretty pretty humble report from uh from this organization they say you know they thought that they were providing um high quality instruction too i mean they've been training teachers for forever and uh you know as a, educators here with decades of experience uh just uh talking here i mean kind of goes to the core and it, it makes you wonder wow I've I really haven't been uh, giving the opportunities to all my students uh, that I should yes it does kind of uh, present it like a lot of problems and uh, as far as recommendations kind of leaves it open uh, to kind of ask ourselves you know where do we go from here and uh, and I don't think that's an easy answer I think that there's millions of educators out there that are working pretty hard to create relevant and uh, deep learning and engaging lessons for their students. But us as a profession, we've really, uh, it seems like missed the mark somewhere. And so it's, I don't think the answer is going to be an easy answer, but um, what you can do kind of uh, like you've talked about Dennis in your everyday class, um, taking those small little steps just to dig deeper and uh, say, you know what, the learning isn't going to stop here. And we're going to take a little bit more time to make sure that we get that deeper level of learning rather than just saying, oh, we got to move on. We got to move on. And hopefully, you know, looking back at kind of some of the previous episodes of this podcast, I really hope that we've provided teachers with little things that aren't really huge and significant, you know, huge paradigm changes or anything. I think that um, some of the guests that we've had on uh, have, uh, little uh, recommendations and things that you can kind of start trying to do, just uh, little actions in your classroom, um, uh, just methodologies to really start turning some of this around. Because 
Um, and I, one thought came to my mind while listening uh, to some of the things you had to say, Dennis, is so much of uh, what came out in this report is, you know, we're having students do things because they're, it's just the work that's been done in the past. Why do we have students uh, take all the classes that they do in high school uh, in a certain progression? And it's, well, we've uh, done that for years. And, you know, that's what you and I had to pass to go to college. And, you know, that's what should be expected of the next generation. And it uh, seems like, uh, you know, we usually look down on uh, the uh, new generation coming up. I think every older generation looks down on the new generation and says, ah, these kids don't know how to work. Well, the kids are working and uh, they're doing what they're told. And, uh, you know, maybe we're the ones who, you know, need to ask ourselves if uh, if we're doing things because it's the right thing to do for the students that we teach or if we're just doing it because it's what we had to do or it's something that's been done for forever. Yeah, it seems like if we're looking down at them saying they don't know how to work, then uh, we're missing the fact that that's exactly what we've been good at teaching them how to do. Yeah. But yeah. as we get to the the recommendations from from the study. Um, I'm just going to mention the first one, although it goes into five major recommendations for things to think. And it, it's, an, it's a good overriding principle. And it's based in the same way about how we build our lessons and our units and everything. And in understanding by design the UBD format a lot, when we think about what the end game is first and then work backwards. And so the first recommendation they make is this. Ask students and families directly about their goals and their school experiences. Listen to what they share and then act on what they tell you. And if we as school leaders or even teachers are not willing to listen to a child's goal for their future and for their learning experience and then act on what they share, then why are we there? I mean, an empty school building might seem like a fun place to be, but it's really not. The only reason they exist is for children and for our students to go. They don't exist for us, so we'd better list, listen to what our kids have to say and what their family's goals are as a group because that family, they're a major partner in this. So I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I have just from my introductory overview to this study is I need to find a way to listen more because if I set something in motion, I want to buy a program that's going to help my kids do this or I want to look at curriculum that's going to help them do that or we're thinking about adding computers to this other place in the school district – are those even remotely in line with what my students desire or want or need? So uh, making those decisions is pretty important when we know uh, the ideas and the goals of our kids. So uh, like I said before, um, build those relationships and ask those questions and listen and act on what people tell you. And I think you're going to start to see a change. So uh, if you, like you said, it goes back to some of the other podcast guests. I know Tiffany Ott, uh, has a lot when she was mentioning the teach better grid method and teach further, how a little bit more each day can help us grow as individuals, as teachers and help our students grow and developing a growth mindset in some of our topics from before and even working play and fun with Quinn Rollins. And what we talk about here has, has kind of been circling around the outside of this. And I'm glad you brought uh, this study to my attention today. So for our listeners, we hope that you will uh, click on the link that we put out here about the, the new teacher project and reimagine teaching and quickly it is really just opportunitymyth.tntp.org that's where you can find a little bit more about that and thanks for listening to this conversation today because uh, I'm not going to stop thinking about it just because this podcast might be over 
So share and share some ideas because if we're not going to listen to the ideas you have for how to improve school, then uh, we're being a little bit hypocritical by asking you to listen to what your kids have for improving yours. So be open-minded and open-voiced and share with us. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MathDennisNJ, or you can find me online on my website, DennisSheeran.com. And Ray, where can they find you? I'm at Blended underscore math, and um, I'm at www.BlendedLearningMath.com. Just a little bit of a shout out. Uh, I had a piece come out on fatherly.com. Uh, it's a kind of a, a dad's parenting website um, about training for a triathlon. And I also have another piece coming out about like advice for parents uh, to help their ch children at home with math. So kind of be on the lookout for some new articles for me. I've been writing a little bit for uh, eSchool News and Education Post as well. So um, over the next couple of weeks, just uh, keep an eye out, follow me on Twitter, and uh, definitely listen to the Instant Relevance podcast. So again, thank you for joining us for episode six of the Instant Relevance podcast, and keep an eye out for episode seven, and we'll have some more special guests in the future.